Welcome to It Comes With Living, the podcast where no topic is taboo. We will listen, discuss, and learn from each other's life lessons, even the most difficult transitions. I'm your host, Stephanie BB. I'm a therapist and certified advanced palliative and hospice social worker. I have the honor of sharing time and space with individuals and families who are fighting serious illnesses, exploring their own mortality, or facing some of life's toughest circumstances. This work has inspired me and taught me so much about living on purpose. So join me as I share some of those lessons with you, and we'll sit down with some really great people doing some really hard things. And listen, we're going to have some fun too. So whether we're chatting about our peaks or valleys, celebrating our victories or overcoming disappointments, sharing moments of joy or heartbreaking sorrow, we know it comes with living. We are in for a treat. Today's guest, Tamika Felder, is on a mission to end cancer, advocate for the patient voice in healthcare, and mobilize others to live with purpose, whatever their obstacles. She's an award-winning television producer, author, blogger, podcaster, mentor, cancer survivor, and motivational speaker. Her high-energy humorous and interactive talks share her personal story and translate her challenges and lessons into goal-crushing action steps to help others move past fear and live without limits. Guys, this is an absolute treat. I hope you enjoy. Tune in. Thank you guys so much for joining me. We have another great show planned today. I am so excited about getting to sit down with today's guest. Um, The phenomenal Tamika Felder is a force of nature. Um, So I became aware of Tamika. Someone from work was like, hey, I want you to talk to this lady, Tamika. She's absolutely phenomenal. She supports some of the work that the foundation is doing. um, And I think she's trying to support somebody with finding some resources or something like that. I was like, sure, bet. We had this great exchange over the phone, tried to support a, a family here. And then I, like the following month, I'm introduced to her actually in her work. And I sit on this panel and Tamika is literally leading this dialogue and facilitating this conversation. And I was like, I need to know this sister. I need to, like, I want to be her friend. I want her to know me. I want to learn from her. She is a force of nature. So I am so glad that you're here today, Tamika. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be connected with you. And thank you so much for all that you do. I mean, the work that you do is so important and I'm so happy to see you in this space so even more people can get to know you and 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 and, and know important things that they need to do for themselves and their loved ones, but also all the people that you're connected to. I love when people connect to good people and spread that goodness out. And so that is just a reflection, all of you. So thank you. Oh, you're too sweet. Thank you so much. When Tamika and I met, she was the facilitator for one of our patient experiences where we were trying to provide education and support to patients. Um, And she had this beautiful way of connecting with patients, not only because she is a phenomenal speaker. And if you're looking for someone, guys, hit her up, but she is a phenomenal speaker and draws you in, but also she had this unique ability of connecting with the patient experience. So Tamika, I would love for you to introduce yourself, tell the people all the phenomenal things about you um, so that they can know a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so thank you. The work that I do, um, I'd like to call myself a cheerleader, not a fear leader. So if you need a cheerleader in your life um, to hype you up, I'm your hype girl. I'm your your wing woman. I'm the person who, I'm gonna hype you up, but I'm gonna keep it real with you too. (laughs) Um, But so my background is that I'm a television producer and host. At 25, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And like any you know, traumatic or major thing that happens in your life, it literally just like kind of like threw me all the way off kilter. And what do you do with that when those things happen to you? You you sink or swim or you just float. And, you know, a lot of times we think we can only sink or swim, but floating is an option as well. At 25, I thought I was grown. I thought, okay, I know how to deal with stuff, but I was just a scared girl trying to kind of navigate it, um, which is why I love the work that you do so much. And I think that that work should be shared on the front end versus the back end or tail end of things. Um, 
But as I was going through my cervical cancer diagnosis, and this was in 2001, uh, I'm not afraid to, even though I'm Southern, I don't mind admitting my age. I'm 45, <laughs> fabulous. Uh, but uh, in 2001, we didn't have social media like this. You, you know, we didn't have, you couldn't go on Google. We had AOL dial up all this other stuff. So it wasn't all this instant connectivity to people. You couldn't just reach out and talk to someone on the other side of the world or what have you. So when I was diagnosed, it was like, okay, where are the people like me, you know, yeah. who are in their twenties trying to navigate life. I was single at the time. I was really just getting started in my career. And when I would go to a website, everything I saw was kind of doom and gloom. It was very gray, um, very kind of like, yeah, cancer sucks. This is it. This is the hand that we're dealt. And it's not that that's not the reality of thing, but I was just like, where's the hope? Like right now, I feel like you hear a lot about hope, mm -hmm. but I also feel like when I was going through this way back in 2001, I didn't feel a lot of hope. There were people who prayed for me and they were hopeful, but there wasn't this kind of like rallying call that you get cancer and you survive it. And so there was this movement to change in and I got involved with it early on through the uh, President's Cancer Panel, um, the Lance Armstrong Foundation, which turned into Live Strong. And really, be, you know, I didn't think about becoming a patient advocate when I went into this. I just wanted to survive it, go back to my life. Literally, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to pick off, pick up right, right where cancer yeah. came in. That's not what happened at all. Like, because I was changed. And I think a lot of times people are fighting against whatever traumatic thing has happened because that's the natural human way right. but they, so we want to we want to be who we were but we can't be who we were because we're not that anymore sure there's parts of us that are still the same but we are forever changed so a lot of the work that i do now is helping people accept that change and look at that change is something that isn't necessarily negative. Yeah, it sucks at first. Cause like for me, I'm like, I can't have children, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to feel and create life inside of me. I want to know what that feels like. I will never know what that feels like. Does it mean that I don't, I still don't, I still have days where it affects me emotionally, but I've accepted that yeah. that is a part of my life right now. I cannot have children in that way. But what I can do, I can give birth to other legacies. So my legacy is going to be the lives that I save, not the yeah. lives that I bring into this world. And so in owning that, that's a part of my story. And so being Southern, I'm a natural storyteller. Being a television producer, I'm a storyteller. Now the other layer of me being a storyteller is in helping people honing in and what's their story, but what can you do with that story? So we all have this light inside of us that shines, whether, yeah. we, whether we really know it or not, like, just like your fingerprint, you are unique, you are an individual. And so lucky early on, I knew my light was my gift of gab. You know, my mother and my father were like, girl, you talk too much. <laughs> business, stay in a child's place. And you know, when my parents were alive, it was funny. My mother literally, she was like, I can't believe you get paid to talk. I was like, isn't it beautiful? It's a wonderful right. thing. You know, and so I want to help people not just really hone in on their shine, but help them shine their light as bright as they can. So on the, on the patient advocacy side of it, I want people to know that their story can change lives. It can inspire, it can empower, but it can literally change legislation. Like, you know, I helped fertility legislation for young adults. It won't help me, but it will help other people. It's right. But that's a part of making my survivorship count. On the other side of it, for people who may not have had any traumatic thing that happened to the experience, perhaps it's someone who is waiting, like they've been wanting to do something for so long, like they've had this, you know, fire in their belly, this passion project, this thing that they've been wanting to put out, but they've been waiting, you know, so mm -hmm. I want to help them get that out because that's a part of their life, because the most regrettable thing is leaving this earth and 
having regrets. When it's my time, and if I have, you know, like in the movies, that time of reflection where your life flashes before you, I hope I smile from the inside out. Yeah. I hope I am so happy that I did the things, I tried the things. And even if I failed, I put myself out there. So living your life boldly and daringly is putting yourself out there in a way that you shine. And that hopefully when you shine, when other people feel that heat coming from your shine, that they're inspired and empowered too. Tamika, oh girl, you just took us to church. I just, there is so much about you and how you live and move that inspires me personally. Like, I, and I've, I hope you understand that. Um, but you also just summarize the whole purpose of why I am even doing this podcast is because I think so many people are waiting and they are holding on to purpose and opportunity and they don't understand the significance of their gifting. And and I just, I hope that people are inspired by hearing people like you who've taken these experiences that could have been perceived as like these negative as they are life altering experiences. And rather than allow them to take something from you as they do, um, you also allow them to create and gift. And I'm not, and I'm going to say this probably every single podcast. I'm not one of those people who are like, this happened because you needed to get here. No, I don't believe that. What I believe is that even though you got and had this experience, you were able to take it and say, you know what, now what? Here's how I'm going to move. Here's how I'm going to learn. Here's how I'm going to grow. Here's how I'm going to aid others so that they too know the possibilities of purpose and, and how you can use pain to morph into purpose. And I just, beauty for ashes. I can use scripture. I can use any kind of way to explain that this, it's so beautiful to watch. So I wouldn't waste um, this moment with you without giving you an opportunity to talk a little bit about education and cervical cancer and how you, I know that's your, your path right now, but talk a little bit about diagnosis in that space, if you would, for me. Yeah. And let me share this really quickly, because you touched on something that somebody listening might need to hear. So Dr. Heather Palmer said one time that cancer is a gift wrapped in barbed wire. And what that meant for me was mm. the gifts that I had were always inside of me, but cancer was the catalyst to really release them. I love that. So you, you, you have these things happen and had I not had my experience with cancer, I probably would have still been sitting at my job, making good money, doing the work that I love, but not a hundred percent fulfilled and, and doing what I was meant to do on this earth. So cervical cancer is cancer of the cervix and anyone that has a cervix uh, is at risk for cervical cancer. A lot of people, they, when I used to ask people, where's your cervix? People would pat their abdomen. And I was like, no, that's not where your cervix is. <laughs> and, and not just because I, you know, I needed to know more about anatomy too. Like it's a long time since a lot of us have been to right. school. So we got to go back to school and understand our bodies and how they work and how they function and the purpose. So when I was diagnosed, I was not getting screened for cervical cancer. And so Part of it was when I started working in television, I was just so happy to get a job that I didn't care about benefits. So I didn't have health benefits, but I was living my best life here in Washington, D.C. And 25, I didn't care. Now at 45, life is different. If I'm getting a job, I want to know everything that's offered. What's the package? <laughs> show me whatever. You know, you you learn and, and I believe in sharing. So I'm always going to share those things. Um, and so I wasn't getting screened. I have not met anyone who wakes up and they say, it's PAP day. Oh my God, I'm so excited about PAP day. You know, I've been waiting a whole year to put my feet up in the stirrups, <laughs> have somebody jam a speculum in my coochie, open me up, look around, and then have a nurse or whoever else looking around. To, I've just never met anybody like that. So getting a PAP test is not a fun thing, but it's something that absolutely has to be done. A lot of times... People don't go see a physician unless it's an emergency or they're alerted to something. We have to be proactive with their, with our health. So that is my message now. Like any type of cancer screening, whether it's cervical, breast, 
colon, whatever, we have to be on a schedule. Most of us have smartphones. Let's be smart about our health and put reminders in our phones. Um, let's also make sure that we are educated about risk factors. Cervical cancer has risk factors, but many that whisper or could be considered something else, like, for example, bad menstrual cramps, lower uh, back pain, leg mm -hmm. swelling, but there's also bleeding during and or after sex. Those can all be symptoms, but the best thing to do is make sure that you get in. A lot of people, they hear HPV or human pap papillomavirus, they find out that it's sexually transmitted and they already put a wall up. You know, HPV is like the common cold of the STD world. You know, if you haven't had it, you're just not in the norm. And the good thing is most people clear it on their own. But if you're not getting screened, you wouldn't know. Um, and it can turn into something else. Uh, we also have a vaccine for HPV. And a lot of people feel a certain way about vaccine. And if you're a person of color, especially, I get it. I understand yeah. it. I'm from the South. I know. But my message is always look at credible sources. Um, I can tell you what to do, but you are the power of you. The only thing I would say is make sure when you are researching and doing your due diligence that you are looking at credible sources, not whomever friend and mama and cousin who shared something blindly on social media without clicking on it and reading it and looking where it's sourced. So a lot of times things, you know, we're all experts, right? Mm -hmm. Social media has really made all of us experts. We're all Back experts. Dr. Google. Exactly. Because we can go on social media and say whatever. That's a great thing. It's also a terrible thing because some people abuse it. Um, but I want to protect the kitty cat. I want to make sure that no one, you know, has to die of cervical cancer. I'm lucky, you know, I didn't die. People still die in America, in the world because of cervical cancer. Yeah. The numbers are smaller, but people, people do die. And it's really sad because unlike other cancers, with cervical cancer, we have the tools to detect the cause of it, HPV, and we have screening tools to make sure that we are healthy or to catch early stage cancer, but we also have a vaccine to prevent it. So get screened, vaccinate, make sure that you do your due diligence. We are also in a place where we can end cervical cancer. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do that for breast cancer, if we could do it for yeah. colon cancer, pancreatic cancer. And so I hope this is leading us on a path to be able to win the war on cancer. Listen, that's so great. So, you know, so much now, like you are a walking cervical cancer Bible, like you are an encyclopedia, but how did you get here? Like, how did you become so aware of all these things, um, especially related as a patient, but also as an advocate? Sitting in a room with people who didn't like me talking about patients. I remember that I was somewhere and a researcher was doing a presentation and they were literally talking about, in 2001, this was the statistics for cervical cancer. And I was like, I mean, I had a moment. I was like, I'm in that statistic. Like yeah. I was diagnosed in 2001. And then I will be honest, I didn't like some of the things that they were saying about the patient, I'm doing air quotes, um, the type of patients who got cervical cancer. And I was like, yeah, this whole, you know, uh, risk factor of having multiple uh, sexual partners. And I'm like, that you can have sex with one person once, yeah. right? And it's your first time and still get HPV, you're at risk of it. And I'm like, that's why there's such a stigma. Doctors are always talking about, how do we get patients in? How do we, I'm like, who would want to talk about this? When I was a little girl and I was dreaming of the things that I wanted to do, this wasn't it. And nothing creates change more than a person who gets pissed off. And, you know, and so I wanted to do something. I literally was just like, this is the problem. You all have all this great data, all this great research, but y'all are hung up on the wrong things. But if you look at my career path, as a storyteller, I'm like, the story you're telling is wrong. Yeah. I'm like, you got the data. And so there's this other doctor, Noel Brewer. He always says, we, we had the data, but we couldn't tell the story. And so I bring their data to life. But in a way that people care about, you know, people want to know, 
How did it impact you? You know, what happened to you? And how'd you come out on the other side? Right. And so they've got all those great stats, but it's like the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you're familiar with it, it's like Bueller, 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 like yeah. <laughs> out. And then the, the patient that you're describing, someone could say, well, that's not me. I, I married my high school sweetheart or I mar- married my childhood, you know, sweetheart or, or whatever. Like I'm a widow and I got remarried to this sweet person and there's no way like you, you're painting the wrong story. And so I have really worked to not only get women to step up and share their stories, but also change the researchers and other nonprofits minds about the way that they're they're putting things out there it's also the way that i feel about when people talk about health disparities which we Mm -hmm. should be talking about it but we shouldn't be talking about minorities in a woe is me type of way i mean if you care about data and you're looking at data we see that you know people of color will not be minorities by the time we reach 20 2045 and we're we might get there well before 2045 the way the world is going and so we have a real issue and I could get into that, but that would just take us <laughs> in all other type of levels. Um, and again, you know, I just want people to be the best representation, not only of themselves, but this world that we all have to co- cohesively live in. And so when we do that, we have to make sure that the story that we're telling, right? The, the story that we're telling for ourselves, but also the story that we're telling for the future is a reflection of who we really are. And in the U.S., we got to work on this reflection in the mirror that we have, but I'm, I'm hopeful that we are moving forward in that way. And so that's where not only patient advocates, but anyone can get involved in the, in the world. It's like Gandhi said, you have to be the change that you want to see. And so when I started on this path, and I didn't even know it was a path that I was on, it wasn't to be a cancer advocate. It wasn't, I, I didn't plan on telling my story at all. I just wanted to go back to work, become the next Oprah and keep it moving. <laughs> but, you know, that that wasn't my story. And I actually learned along the way, Oprah is Oprah, right? Right. I can't be the next Oprah, but I can be Tamika Felder. Come Whoever on. Tamika Felder is, that is who I'm going to be. And so- I can aspire, be inspired by Oprah, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be Tamika Felder. Oh, I just love that so much. I mean, because like not the circumstances came, you had no control over them coming. And what you identified, it almost sounds like it initially started out like self-advocacy. Like, I just want to make sure that who you're describing is not me and I am here. I am dealing with this. I am facing this. So I almost hear that space of like, I want you to make sure that you are, when you are talking about this potential patient, when you describe this, this isn't describing me. So people like me are going to miss this message. So I hear an element of self-advocacy in that, but then also how you were so intentional about, about using your already innate skills, your innate gifting of speaking and storytelling to help aid to this collective goal that we have of ending cervical cancer. And I think that's what's so important is that sometimes we get caught up in our life experiences and we are thinking about what's happening to us. And sometimes like I I have clients that I see and they get stuck because they're like, well, this has happened and now I am lost. I don't know what else to do, where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to be, because they're grieving the life that they thought they had. Absolutely. But what I love about your circumstances is, although I I hear the elements of grief in your story about the, the loss of the ability to give birth to a person, you identified an opportunity to not only save lives, but also you birthed something amazing in Survivor. And I didn't know that till someone else brought it to my attention. So I want to be very clear about that. It's not like I came to that self-awakening on my own. Someone else had to open my eyes to see it. Because, you know, I was in my woe is me phase. And it's hard for me because I'm a naturally happy person. I'm just like, I love life. I'm out here seeing like cancer came in. And I'm like, this is not what I planned, you know. And I lived in the, if I didn't have cancer, would I be in New York? Would I be in California? Would I've already been this, been that? 
And then I'm like, my life isn't that bad. It looks differently, but why? Why am I doing this? Why am I self-sabotaging whatever I have before me in this way? And so somebody just really said, do you realize you were saving lives? And like, no, it's like, you know, you birthed this whole movement. You birthed it. I'm like, stop, whatever. My whole like existence now is about owning that. So, you know, being Southern, you're taught like, you don't say the things, you keep them in, you know, uh-huh. now, yes, be humble. So I, I, I won't be an egomaniac, but I do want to say the things that I did. I want to say the things that I own. I want to say what I am responsible for, because that is a part of me. That's going to be a part of my history. It's going to be a part of myself that I leave behind and people remember me for. And if we don't acknowledge if yeah. we don't acknowledge our shine perhaps no one else will you know we're lucky if other people do but we have to do it and so it's all about acknowledging those things and you know i'm not trying to bring up a bunch of people who will be you know self-righteous egomaniacs but a lot of times we don't give credit for the storms that we've been through and making it to see the next sunshine like we yeah. we don't give ourselves enough grace for that and you know we have to start clapping for ourselves more we have to hype ourselves up more i ask people all the time when you wake up first thing in the morning what's the first thing you do when you look in the mirror and you're washing your face you're brushing your teeth are you pointing out all the things that you don't like about yourself are you thinking whoever, whatever you believe in for waking you up to see another day and thankful for the things that you do have. Like, how are you starting your mo- your morning? Like, because yeah. those things matter. And again, human. So I fall in this phase too of, you know, oh, look at this. You're 45. You still have pimples and all this other stuff. But you have to tell yourself you're beautiful. You have to tell right. yourself you are worthy. You have to tell yourself that it is never too late. Let's stop putting these limits on things that we have to do by 30, that we have to do by 50. Hello, somebody. We have to be done with by 60. Let's stop doing that people are living longer and longer you know people are realizing that it's okay to have more than one thing that you're passionate about and if you get to the halfway point you know to your life and you want to pivot it's okay to pivot and do something completely different this life existence that we get it's just one thing you know, I, I'm like, if we are reincarnated, we don't know what we'll come back as. And so we have to live this one life and we can't just exist in this life. We have to live it. And, and that's whatever living means to you. So you don't have to do these big grandiose things, right? Right. You have to do the things that you want to do. Prior to cancer, I was a workaholic. I mean, I'm still a workaholic, but it looks different. So I never had enough time to take off, never had enough time to see the world, which I desperately wanted to do. Now I, you know, the world's closed right now, but (laughs) it's open. Like I travel, I see the world, learning how to swim as an adult. Like these are the things that I want to do. Like because you, you want to take the time for you. And whether you have children, a husband, responsibilities or whatever, there's always a way for you to find time for you. So let's, let's start making that normal. Let's normalizing, you know, doing things for yourself and not feeling guilty about it. Yeah. So you, I think you just summarized like what it is to like have quality living Mm -hmm. and, you know, in the palliative care world, all we talk about is quality of life and how it's an individual definition. I cannot define quality of life for Tamika Felder and you can't do it for me, but for many people, it may look different, but quality living is a living. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Your purpose may not look like mine. It may not look like Tamika's. It may look like you know, just showing up for your family every day. It may look like supporting your community in, in a particular way. It may be like being the greeter at the, the um, corner for kids to make it across the street safely. I can't say what that is for you. But what I do know is that there's a connection to choosing to live and show up regardless of the circumstances. And so that's why I love talking to 
you, Tamika, because I think that's something that I always live with about like, am I being intentional with the time? I don't get to say how much I get. I don't get to say how it looks, but with the time that I have, am I doing something that is of purpose? Am I doing something that is going to serve? And am I living? Am I enjoying it? Am I really? Or is it just something you enjoy? You know, I used to beat up myself because I love Bravo. I love watching all the housewives. All the trash TV. <laughs> all the trash TV. Look, I deal with cancer. There's a lot of death. I, it, that's my outlet. That's part of it. You know, them women crazy and I love it. But sometimes I feel like, you know, you got a long to-do list to me. You could be doing other stuff at this time, but it makes me happy. So I'm yeah. like, I gotta, because you still have to do the things that bring you joy. This whole like being exhausted all the time, not having sleep, hustle hard mentality 24 seven. That's for the birds. I've tried that and it serves you no purpose. I am not team no sleep. I I, I need my sleep. (laughs) I used to be team no sleep. And of course that's when I was younger. Now I'm like this, I need sleep. She, her, me need sleep. I got to have sleep, but you have to do the things that bring you joy. And, you know, there's someone that's like, you know, I like being with my family. She was yeah. trying to stop me on it. She was like, I like, you know, making a good dinner for my family. She, what did she said? I grew up and it's actually my best friend. She was like, I grew up with a hot breakfast every morning. She was like, wow. so it's really important that my children have a hot breakfast. I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I was like, it brings you joy. It doesn't matter right. that your kids are old enough to make their own breakfast. If that's one of the things that you wake up and your heart is happy and it makes you feel good, do it. Yeah. The other stuff will fall in place around it. Yeah. And I think I'm so glad you said that because I think in today's society, when we see everybody's an entrepreneur, everybody's a hustler, everybody's building something, everybody's creating something. Um, not that those spaces aren't great, you know, but we've become so um, drawn to the titles and to creation and all of those things that sometimes we forget that the moments of joy, the moments where we experience true fulfillment for ourselves, sometimes have nothing to do with anybody else. It is about what gives us joy and really excites us. And so I love that we are really talking about for some people in those moments, The moments that give me the greatest joy, yeah, I serve other people. Yeah, I get to be in spaces. Yeah, I get to speak. And I am grateful for that. And I am passionate about that. But really, the moments that give me greatest joy is when I'm sitting around with these little stinky little boys. (laughs) And, and, you know, we are playing toys and Legos and those kind of things. Because for me, those are the moments that give me joy where I get to show up as all of me. And I don't have to worry about perception. For them, I'm still a superhero, you know, for them, I still get to be. And also moments where I get to be absolutely by myself and I don't have to worry about anybody but me. Like I take a bath, this is overshare, but I take a hot bath at least one day a week where I lock everybody out and I'm my skin's gonna probably burn up because the water's too hot and I have my glass of wine and I have my book. And you know, my whole house knows for that moment, I am not here, I, I do it. not exist. And it gives me such joy. And the reason I said that is because we can't let other people define joy for us. No, we can't. We can't. And too many people do that. Too many people place their joy on other people. And I think especially for women, we're kind of raised that way. It's about who we marry, you know, the kids. Yeah, all the status things. All the things. And we we have to do that. My stepdaughter, I remember when when she got up to a certain age, I told her, I said, I love your father. I said, he's so sexy. I just love that man. But I was like, I know how to stand on my own two feet and my joy and my 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 name, me, who I am, is not wrapped up in that man. Mm. Not wrapped up in that man. And she kind of looked at me, you know, because she's a teenager or whatever. Yeah. But I wanted to let her know that I am who I am. I am enough for me. Yeah. What I have with him is this an extension of who we are when we are together. And she was just like, okay. That's a whole <laughs> you know? word. But now she's in college. She's, she has a little boyfriend. She's beginning to already see 
what that means, you know, and you know, like I told her, I was like, you can change schools because they're in different states, they're high school sweethearts. I was like, but how will that hone you and your skills and your effort? Are you really just going to move yeah. for him or are you moving for you? Because I'm like, you you do what you want to do, but are you yeah. moving for him? Or are you moving for you? Because there's a difference. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Like our individual being our individual contributions to the world as individuals, how we feel about us, how we show up. I think that goes so much into, oh, I can go so many directions, but this, but I think it goes so much into not just when we are dealing with experiences and difficult spaces, but even how we move when we're trying to pursue different, you know, accolades or achievements, because sometimes we're so attached. I see patients sometimes when, um, we are grieving the loss of the life that we thought we would have, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're grieving maybe our work roles that have to change because of circumstances or um, abilities or different things like that or things we thought we would create or do. And so much of who we are is tied into the things, the external, the people, these, the systems that we're part of, the titles are the things that we have that we've lost the importance of the individual value of our individual contributions to the world and who we are. You know, I used to get caught up on, I never made a, you know, 30 under 30 list, 40 under 40 list, you know, and I, and I got caught up in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that was part of that hustle mentality. And I remember when family members used to ask, when are you going to get married? When is this going to happen? And for me, I, re- I remember I, I look back in my journal. I have all my diaries from childhood and I, I let my stepdaughter read some of them. She just laughed. She had a good time laughing because I had a plan to be married by a certain age and have all my kids names. I look at my life now. It's like I couldn't even imagine being married in my 20s. Now, for some people, it's great. It worked out. Yeah. For them. And that's fine. That's their story. It's not my story. You know, imposter syndrome isn't just happening in the workplace. It's right. in personal lives. And I always tell people, like a lot of times people don't think about exactly who they are and what they want. They're looking at other people and saying, okay, I like how she's living her life or he's living his life. Maybe I want my life like that. You have to live your life how you want it. And we've got to stop caring so much about what other people think. So if you come from a a place where, you know, I'll use myself as an example. When I was growing up and I told people, I'm going to be on TV, they was looking at me like I was crazy. Like, what? You know, my own mother, she was like, no, you're going to go to school to be a teacher or a lawyer and I was like no um that's that's not who I want to be and what I want to do and those are great careers but that wasn't for me right and when I used to tell people like yeah no I'm gonna you know be on the news or I'm gonna be on a soap opera or all this other stuff they used to really look at me like I had a horn growing out of my head or something but when you look at me now it's like I always knew I'm fortunate that I always knew, but it's okay. Cause sometimes people don't know, but you have to love yourself enough to be open and allow it to happen once you do know. So I, I, I just, I want to encourage people to one, stop waiting. Like if you are waiting for something to happen or for someone to make it happen for you, that percentage is so small. It happens, but the percentage of that happening is so small. Whatever it is that you want out of this life, you have to do it for yourself, but you also have to be open to do it. You know, you, there, there's action behind anything that we want in life and you can't just say it. You have to be about it. You have to yeah. absolutely do it. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So Tamika, when you were diagnosed and you, you know, um, beat cervical cancer. And in this whole journey, one of the things I've heard you say, I can't remember, I don't think you said it today, but I heard you say it at another time we were speaking. Um, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically how um, as a survivor, you kind of picked up a mantle. Like you knew that you had to, like, you didn't want to waste this opportunity of survivorship. You wanted to be a good steward of survivorship. I think it's kind of. Yeah, I survived so I could thrive. 
You yeah. know, like I wasn't meant to just exist in this life. And again, I keep talking about this because I knew that like early on prior to cancer, like just all my life. But cancer was literally the catalyst to help me start living. You know, I always talk about I lived life prior to cancer, you know, but I wasn't really living life and experiencing it. Yeah. I was going to work, enjoying the work that I do and, you know, having fun with friends and which is all good. Right. Right. right, right. But I also had this pull to do more. And the more for me really was to travel internationally. Right. And, you know, it was just like, oh, my mother, she would get in my ear. You single. I'm gonna put some money aside for you. I'm like, mom, I can pay my bills and your bills. But she was just, (laughs) you need to get a husband. Right. And so I would save money, save money, which is great. People should be saving right. money, but you cannot take all that money with you. Even if it's a little bit of money, you just, you can't take a dollar with you. When you leave this earth, you are not taking anything with you. And so I was just like, what if cancer comes back and I don't get a chance to do the things. So I have to do the things. And now there was a point where I was just like, I earn money, I spend money. You don't do that, right? But <laughs> right. I have to go through that to really understand, you know, that for me, and again, I speak from my own experience, I have to live, live, live this life, you know, um, and, and living is whatever it means to you. And so living for me means doing the things. Part of the things that I like to do, I like to see the world. I like to taste the world. I like to see how others live. I like to know people's story. You know, I meet you, Stephanie. I'm like, what's your story? Who are you people? You know, <laughs> I always say, you know, some people think of me as being nosy, but I'm just naturally newsy because it's that media background. Um, but I, I want to know, like, what what's your life like? You know, what are the gifts that you want to share with the world? And how can I help you put those gifts out there? You know, but but it's great that I found that and cancer reinvigorated it, but I don't want people to have a traumatic experience be the thing that reminds them to live. Right. And I think that's what I hope this is, is that let's learn from each other's life lessons. I don't have to experience everything to take a lesson from what you've learned. Um, And I hope that somebody hearing this is inspired and encouraged to, to live intentionally and to live on purpose because that is really it. It is taking the time that we have and being good stewards of it. And and that's so important. Um, I want to make sure that we talk about Survivor. And um, I actually had a conversation with someone the other day, and they were talking about survivorship and survivor's remorse. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that, as the cancer community, I think we fail to adequately address. I agree. I agree. Absolutely agree. You know, I'm about to celebrate 20 years survivorship. Wow, congratulations. Like crazy. Thank you. Crazy, wonderful, exciting. Um, but I meet people like Holly, someone, the person mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier, who, you know, I think like, why her, not me? Yeah. I think about that with many people that have come into my life. Um, but we can't. We, we can't get stuck on that. Yeah. You know, Holly wouldn't want me to get stuck on that. Holly would want me to live. But but it is something that we don't address enough. We, we it's part guilt that it can help you live even more, but it's also puts a little fear in you to where maybe I should just, you know, stay closed in. And you can't really do that. You know, one this doctor, um, Dr. Don Dizon, he's a, a, a breast and uh, he, he, he does both breast and GYN oncology. And he said that I don't just, you know, help my patients survive so that they're scared to live. Oh, Woo. and how many cancer patients have you met that they get clear? There's no evidence of disease, but they constantly live in fear. That I know anxiety. Like that. She, every time I talk to her, 
you know, we were we were out of the country someplace for a meeting and I was excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and she was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, and that's why I always talk about being someone's cheerleader instead of their fear leaders. And you have to be intentional. The people that you allow in your life, your yeah. spirit, in your energy, um, because that stuff rubs off on you. And what I realized about her was that she was afraid to live after her cancer experience. And we all go through that. I had a right. moment that, you know, luckily it was just like, girl, you survived. You got to live this life. You know, tomorrow is not promised. You know this firsthand now, so you have to live. And so I had to limit my time for her. I'm like, I, I have to be brave and be smart while I'm being brave. I'm going to go and see this country by myself. I'm going to go climb the the Great Wall of China. I'm going to go do the thing. Like, you scared, you know, something is going to happen to you. I don't know if I will ever get back to China again in my lifetime. So while I'm here, I got to go see and experience China. Um, but absolutely, there are people who get diagnosed with cancer or any type of thing, and they are afraid. They're afraid for various reasons, but it holds them hostage. And so I'm very like honest when I tell people, it's like, why would you let cancer hold you hostage? Cancer has already taken and limited so much from you. Right. Why would you let it hold you hostage while you're now in the survivorship phase? You cannot go around every single day thinking, oh, the cancer might come back. I yeah, know because I've been there. You, you, you can't live like that. That is no way to live. Um, there's a song, Live Like You're Dying, mm. by uh, Tim McGraw. There's a song by Dolly Parton, You Better Get to Living. Yeah. And you have to. Yeah. And I, I mean, that is so good because you're right. And I think I, I see, you know, and I see patients who are, you know, trying to deal with reoccurrence anxiety or afraid, afraid to make emotional attachments or interpersonal relationship attachments yeah. because of the fear of reoccurrence or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think I often challenge with what what happens if we don't? Like we think about the reality of reoccurrence and the possibilities and on what science is and all those things. But what if we throw all that out of the way? And, you know, I'm I'm the person that comes to tell you prognosis. I'm sitting with the team to share all that. So I know what science says. Right. But the reality is, is that what if our true intention in our spaces was to always just live? And when circumstances and experiences come. We deal with them, we cope with them and not negating or, you know, the emotion or the, the challenges or the fear that comes with them, because all of that is real. Mm -hmm. But what if we felt those things and lived and chose to live anyway? Right. And, and I think that's where I hope people will move to. And I think it's so important that we really look at survivorship because um, I love that we do survive and thrive and I love what survivor does because it's really about like, how do we take the life that we've been given? How do we take this and then move intentionally? And, and I just love the message that you share. But one of the things that I also love about what survivor has done is that you've created a community because we also sometimes neglect outside of neglecting survivors in general and survivorship and what that looks like. We also sometimes um, ignore the importance of having adequate social support. Yeah. And so with survivor, um, and if you're looking for it as C E R V I V O R.org, um, it really is about uh, people who have experienced what you've gone through. So I always have patients who want to speak to doctors and I tell them, you have your clinicians, you have your medical team, but in this community, the community itself, it's just for us because we learn so much from each other. There are things that we, we actually, I'll give you the perfect example. There was this woman on the West Coast. She was having all these issues. And I told her, I said, I think you have, and there's an obstruction going on in your intestines. And she was like, no, they checked, they checked for that. You know, I saw two doctors, nothing. I said, okay, it's probably not showing up yet, but I'll, I promise you, you, you've got something going on. Other people chimed in, told them their experience or whatever. She went to another doctor, but by the time she got there, she had an emergency, had to go. She had an obstruction. 
And, right. and it's not that the medical team, you know, isn't knowledgeable of it, but we know our bodies better than anyone else. And we built that community so that we can better help prepare you when you experience these things. And we've had doctors thank us for that stuff or opening their eyes to things. And so it's really like letting people know that you, your voice matters, yeah. right? The, your voice matters, but community is so incredibly important, you know, on so many levels. It's about making sure that you have a safe place if you just want to, what I call lurk and listen, mm -hmm. or if you want to share that you have a platform to be able to do that. Yeah. And I, I got to join you guys for your uh, cervic, cervical cancer symposium. And I, you know, I thank you guys for letting me be a part of that. But when I say hearing, like I cried probably the whole time, um, even though I'm with the thug tears, um, <laughs> but I cried because I think hearing the relief in some of those women's voices of having the comfort of like, I am not by myself. Like there are people who are cheering for me and rooting me on. And, you know, I, I just seeing that emotion was absolutely like, I was, my, my mouth was open half the time. I was crying and just, and how you celebrated each other for how you were just living with cancer and, and moving and, and honoring those that you guys have lost. And this just whole space, I was like, for people that are enduring this life altering experience for so many that I see part of what we're even trying to process emotionally is feeling alone and not feeling like they have support in their questions and not feeling empowered or seen or heard. And for this to be available in this way was like, Oh my gosh, it was, it was absolutely amazing to just observe. You know, I tell people all the time that I had the best support from family, friends, co-workers, but I felt alone and alone because I didn't have someone who went through the same thing to say, it's going to be okay, or just kind of hold my hand or nod. And so I built what I needed. And I always tell people I created it for selfish reasons because <laughs> <laughs> you know? I didn't want to be alone. And you can have all the friends, family support in the world, but there's something about having someone who's going through it. I remember again, cause I was in my twenties. So some of my closest friends, they were like, you only want to hang out or talk to your cancer friends. And it's like, I, it's not that I don't want to talk to y'all. It's like, they understand it on a whole nother level. Like y'all yeah. want me to go walking around the mall and y'all don't understand why I don't have the energy to walk, you know, around the mall. I remember when I finished cancer treatment, they wanted to celebrate by taking me to the club. One, hello, immunocompromised. <laughs> I can't go to the club, but like, I can't stay awake. <laughs> you yeah. And so I don't have to explain that to my cancer friends, um, but it, it was a learning curve for all of us. Wow. That, I love that. I built what I needed. I love that. And I think that is just a testament of who you are and your gift. Uh, you are a gift to the world. And I am so grateful that our paths crossed because every single time you open your mouth, Listen, I leave, I get that little notebook out and I almost put it out today, but I was like, I'm trying to take show notes and all that stuff. But I was like, oh, I'm gonna need that one. So I'm gonna have to go back and listen to, to put it in my notebook because that's something that I, I do is that part of the experience for me of being around people who are enduring life altering experiences has taught me so much about living hearing you guys, the way you think, the way you process, not that I haven't had my own experiences, but hearing others has taught me so much. So when I hear somebody say something that I don't necessarily have to go through to experience or something that I want to take away and figure out how to process differently or how this can inform how I make decisions and how I move, I want to jot that thing down because this is how I make sure that my contribution to the world, that I'm living on purpose, that I am living intentionally, but also taking in the moments of joy, taking in moments to just live and be um, rather than always feeling like I have to move, create and do, but just to live. And so I appreciate you so much for the space that you've created for 
survivors and the cervical cancer community. I appreciate you for your advocacy. We didn't talk a lot about that today, but how you storm Washington in a, in another way. She did. She was not part of the capital I just <laughs> <laughs> clarification but how you advocate yeah. on this national platform about legislation and needs in regards of cervical cancer um, interventions and access to testing and care and vaccine like the way you've taken this experience and literally save lives and birth something create something amazing I just cannot thank you enough for that contribution because as a woman, I'm grateful, but also as a daughter, a sister, a human, and hopefully, you know, one day a mother-in-law or, you know, for the women in my life, I am grateful for your contribution. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I receive it. I receive it. Thank you. So for all the things that are Tamika Felder, can you tell the people how to find you? Easiest way to go to t- TamikaFelder.com. I live on social media, so everything is Tamika Felder. If you're looking for Survivor on Facebook, it is Survivor, C-E-R-V-O-R. And then on uh, Instagram and social media, I am Survivor, but you can just go to my page and grab it all from there. I love to connect with people. If you are looking for a way to share your story, if you're looking for inspiration, um, you can definitely reach out to me. I'm happy to connect. Uh, I have a book, Seriously, What Are You Waiting For? It's a workbook and it is filled with all types of inspiration. It was a love note to myself in the cancer community when I celebrated 13 years of survivorship. But when people started really, it started as a blog post, people were reading it. They were like, oh, I didn't have cancer, but I resonated to this. So I turned it into a book and it's really been helpful for everyone. People who are just kind of trying to get clarity and everything else. And if you want your listeners I'll give away a book to one of your listeners who may want to have a copy. Yay, yay. We'll have to figure out how to do that in a good way to make sure that um, we can find a good winner. But thank you so much for doing that. And I'm actually using the workbook. I am ordered, I've ordered it. And so I started um, after we've had a conversation, it's the overshare. We had a conversation about moving. Um, and if you guys have noticed, my first podcast was called Do It Scared. Uh, and it was prompted following a conversation that Tamika and I had about movement um, and about like just some things that I wanted to do. And so listen, I'm waiting on my workbook, but I am already putting some things that she and I have discussed into action because I am inspired to live on purpose. And I'm not waiting anymore. I'm moving. Um, so I would love to be able to share that, but we want to make sure that people purchase the book too. Cause listen. Um, yes, purchase the book. <laughs> so, um, but I always love a good takeaway. You know, I love a good quote. I love a good uh, lesson. And so if there is someone that's listening and you had to sum up a message for them, one good takeaway about overcoming adversity, dealing with a difficult life experience and choosing to live, what is it? I'm not built to quit and I look where the sky ends. Mm. So simply meaning that whatever adversity or anything that comes my way, I might stumble and fall, but I can lift myself up and dust myself off. And there is no limit And there is no end to the things that I want to do and that I can do and where I need to go. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Tamika. Um, And thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for having me. This was great. Wow, guys. I hope y'all were inspired and encouraged. I am amped. I am revved up. Um, by this time, um, I have already started working in my workbook that Tamika has generously gifted. Um, It is seriously, what are you waiting for? It's 13 actions to ignite your life and achieve the ultimate combat. You guys, I have started, I have been busy. I am encouraged. I am inspired. And Tamika has so generously offered to gift one of our listeners a book. So here's what you need to do to enter. Go over to Instagram and I want you to follow Tamika Felder at Tamika Felder. I want you to follow the show at It Comes With Living. And then I want you to give me a follow at I am Stephanie BB. In the photo for this episode, I want you to drop in the notes, what was your favorite part about this podcast? 
What was your favorite takeaway? What was your lesson for today? And then we'll randomly select a winner from the entries. Remember, you must be following all three accounts in order to be entered. So follow at Tamika Felder, at I am Stephanie BB, and also at It Comes With Living. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So remember, whether we are chatting about our peaks or our valleys, exploring our victories or overcoming disappointments, sharing moments of joy or heartbreaking sorrow, we know it comes with living.